0: Before we get going, please do not forget to rate and subscribe on iTunes if you haven't already. This helps us get the show out to as many people as possible. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at Couch Guys Sports. Thanks, guys, for listening, and enjoy the show. Couch Guys Sports Podcast, episode number 142. Things are a little different tonight. Just me. Nick qualia no Jared Scally and Pat's gonna be doing the editing doing the things that I don't want to do but he's not in the show just gonna be me tonight but it's been a pretty busy week and there's a lot to talk about between I guess the championship games which I don't really want to talk about the Red Sox news has been insane it sucks because last episode we talked a little bit about Alex Cora but by that time, he still wasn't fired, so we couldn't give full reaction. Sucks Jared's not here tonight to give that full reaction, and I'm not really really gonna tonight because there's been, I mean, it's it's been six days, right? Five days now since that's happened, so I guess I'll talk about it a little bit, but there's still been a lot going on with the Red Sox. We got to talk about the manager search, who we want as manager. Uh, we got to talk about, actually, John Henry reportedly wanted to hang on to Alex Cora, so We can talk about that, too. And then... The recent news about Mookie Betts and what the Red Sox are asking for, and we're going to get into that. Going into the Aaron Hernandez documentary, Celtics and Lakers, and we're going to do a little bit of the MLB Hall of Fame. I mean, that's not crazy, honestly. Only two people, only two players made it in this year, which kind of shocks me a little bit. I'm pissed. I'm annoyed with just how these guys have been going about the Hall of Fame now for a while. It's you need that new blood in there. We're going to talk about that, but first I mean it's just me I mean I'm I'm literally talking to myself here this is the first time we've ever done just me on this show which I don't hate I've wanted to do it a couple times now but I mean this is a perfect night for it because we got plenty to talk about plenty to talk about all right let's get into it first guys though the weekly dump Presented by Seated. Guys, Seated, our sponsor. It's a fast-growing mobile app that allows restaurant goers to earn rewards and gift cards simply for making reservations through the app. Seated is currently available in the following cities, New York, Boston, Chicago, Philly, and Atlanta, and is coming soon to San Francisco, LA, Washington, DC, Houston, Miami, Austin, Denver, Providence, which if you're around here? Pretty close by, use it there, and Seattle, which means more and more opportunities for reservations and rewards. Click the link in the description below, sign up, and book your table in some of the hottest restaurants in Boston, helping not only us, but you guys too, by getting rewarded just for reserving tables. Again, guys, hit that link in our description and download our friends seated. All right, so let's get into the weekly dump, guys. Per Cameron Wolf, this happened today. We record Tuesday. I record Tuesday. Hollywood police are investigating. I think this is Hollywood, Florida. Investigating Antonio Brown for possible battery at his home today. Source told ESPN there is still an active scene at Brown's home as police, and this is from earlier, determine if battery charges will be brought against him. As of now, he has not been arrested. The story is coming shortly. Again, that was a tweet from Cameron Wolf earlier today. Antonio Brown. He can't help himself. This guy's a maniac. And it's, this guy wants to be back in the NFL. He's talked about it a bunch of times. I don't know if he wants to be a musician now. He keeps on putting out music videos, clips of his music videos, whatever. But this guy is not helping himself. And it's it's insane to me that a guy who wants to be back in the NFL, like he says, just cannot be an adult. I don't. I I don't know how old this guy is at this point. I'm gonna look that up. I don't know how old Antonio Brown is at this point, but it's asinine that this guy can't again just be an adult and just not like he's throwing rocks at a mover today, which is the which is what he got arrested for. I think the guy's throwing rocks at his movers today. There's an altercation. the The movers won't be giving Antonio Brown his furniture because he's not paying them. The whole thing. If you want to be a professional football player, if you want to be a professional anything, just act right. It's not that hard. It's not that hard to not assault your movers. Unless I mean, we don't know the full story. Maybe they assaulted him. Who knows? I'm not going to throw that kind of judgment at him. But, I mean, no, I am. If Antonio Brown wants to be back as a professional football player, he's got to cool it. Because no teams are going to pick him up, even though there's probably maybe a scumbag team who's going to sign this guy eventually. The MLB Hall of Fame inductees are going to be announced mid-show. And I believe, actually, you know what? They might be coming right now. I did just see breaking news. Okay, they did. Derek Jeter. Derek Jeter made it in, which, I mean, duh. Derek Jeter. We're going to talk about Derek Jeter in a second, too. Derek Jeter made it into the Hall of Fame. And along with... Larry Walker. Okay. Okay. All right, Larry Walker's fine. I guess that's Larry Walker is one of those guys that I, he doesn't he just doesn't scream Hall of Fame to me. And if those are the only two people who made it into the Hall of Fame, then we're at the point now where you absolutely have to have Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens in the Hall of Fame. And I know there's there's so many people who are against it because of the steroids, but I mean, I what the Astros did, let's let's bring it back to the Astros or talk about the Astros. What the Astros did with the garbage cans, I mean, it's it's pretty bad. It's severe cheating, and I guarantee you, some of those guys are gonna 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 get into the Hall of Fame. So again, it's not, I guess, as bad as and as long as Barry Bonds and Roger Roger Clemens were doing steroids, but at the same time, these guys are such a big part of baseball. Just you got to put these guys in the Hall of Fame at this point. Just I'm so sick of having this conversation every single year. And then Derek Jeter, look, Derek Jeter, actually, so Derek Jeter didn't get unanimous votes, which is insane. I hate whoever that person is, and there's there's somebody like Ken Griffey Jr., I think, had two people who didn't vote him into the Hall of Fame. Derek Jeter is absolutely a Hall of Famer. I think he's a little overrated. I know that pisses off a lot of Yankee fans. I think he's a little overrated. But he deserves to get unanimous votes because who's going to look at Derek Jeter and be like, you know, that guy doesn't deserve to get in the Hall of Fame. That is insane. And you know, there's somebody doing that just to create conversation, just to be kind of a dick. But you got to put Kurt Schilling, I mean, Derek Jeter and Kurt Schilling just popped up on my Twitter feed. You got to put Derek Jeter in on unanimous votes. Again, I don't really give a shit, but I, it's just it's just stupid that there's somebody out there who's going to be like, you know what? I'm just going to do this. I'm going to start some controversy. Kurt Schilling didn't get in again. And that's a whole different controversy. That's a whole other can of worms. Kurt Schilling, he's he's somebody to me who's like a borderline Hall of Famer. But I mean, if if I had a vote, I would vote Kurt Schilling in. And there's a lot of people who are on the are on the cusp, but what bothers me is the people, I mean, we know Kurt Schilling has pissed off a lot of people with that the lynching of reporters joke or journalist joke, whatever it was, that he posted on Twitter. He's he's pissed off a lot of people. But you're not voting based on the morality of the guy, right? Like, There's a lot of scumbags who are in the Hall of Fame. Kurt Schilling, I think, based on his play, based on his postseason performances especially, I think this guy deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. I think he's one of the greats. And he's one of the best pitchers of his generation. I think he should be in the Hall of Fame. And I think, I think it's obvious at this point, what's keeping him out of the Hall of Fame is him just simply being a douche? Like, that's what that's all it comes down to for Kurt Schilling. It just comes down to him being a douche. And now we're all taught. Now Twitter's trending right now with Ken Griffey Jr. and it'll be a Hall of Fame. But Kurt Schilling, I think he's got to get in there. He deserves it. If, if I had a vote this year, I would have probably put Schilling, Bonds, Clemens, Derek Jeter. I would not have put Walker down. I probably would have just put those four down. Maybe even Manny Ramirez. Because I think he's close too, but he's again, he's a steroid user. So he's going to be kept out. I think the only guy, I think the first guy who's going to break that barrier and get voted into the Hall of Fame, who's had a hint of a steroid controversy put on him, is going to be David Ortiz. I think David Ortiz, because his, his wasn't crazy. It was, it was something that, I think the MLB even came out years later. It was even like, we don't even know if he actually did steroids. He just appeared on that list for, for testing positive for something. They don't even know what it was. So I think David Ortiz, and, and people are going to link steroids to him regardless because people don't read things. David Ortiz is going to get in the Hall of Fame, first ballot. And he's going to be the first one who's ever had a sniff, I think, of steroids and then get voted in. And I think that could finally cause this wave of people who just, they're going to get voted in. Alright, next, going back to insufferable human beings like Antonio Brown. Kyrie Irving in his mouth, they can't stop making me want to delete Twitter. On Monday, he basically compared himself to Martin Luther King Jr. He said, quote, When I was out for those seven weeks and not saying anything, it's people still saying things about me. It's inevitable they crucified Martin Luther King Jr. for speaking about peace and social integration. Per the Boston Globe's Pete Abe, Dustin Pedroia suffered yet another setback as he tries to rehab and make it back for the 2020 season. This knee injury was held, has held Pedroia to playing in just nine games over the last two seasons. He'll be weighing his options going forward with his family, agents, and the Red Sox. The Celtics, they've been skidding lately, but they showed a major flash on Monday night that we're going to talk about in a little bit when they got stomped, or when they stomped, rather, the Los Angeles Lakers, 139-107, to and the Lakers did have, uh, they had, they had, why am I blanking on his name? Oh, they had Davis and they had LeBron both on the floor. They had Anthony Davis, they had LeBron both on the floor. And they beat them. That's a flash, but we're going to talk about that. Jason Tatum netted 27 points, while Kemba and Jalen Brown each scored 20. Bill Simmons reportedly is looking to sell the ringer for $200 million, which is asinine. The Los Angeles City Council unanimously, this is so stupid, approved a resolution Tuesday urging the MLB to strip the Astros and Red Sox of their World Series trophies and awarding them to the Dodgers. I wonder how the thousands of homeless people guys feeling like in LA about that. Championship weekend has come and gone as we have the Super Bowl now set between the San Francisco 49ers who rolled Aaron Rodgers' overrated ass and the Packers, the Packers, not the Packers, 37-20, to 20, and they'll be facing off with perhaps the league's best current quarterback in Patty Mahomes and the Chiefs as they took down the Tennessee Titans 35-24. to 24. And that was the weekly dump. All right, so like I said, we weren't here for the Alex Cora firing. And there's, I mean, there's, there's, I have some thoughts on it, but nothing that's really been, hasn't been said at this point. I've already, I've given my thoughts on, on different shows at this point. I've written about it on clnsmedia.com, but Alex Cora, look, he cheated. And in the end, that's what it matters. That's, that's what matters. The fact of the matter is that he cheated. He wasn't with the Red Sox when he did it. The first time with the garbage cans. But he was the mastermind behind what happened with the Houston Astros. So he absolutely should be suspended. And I think... I don't think you can argue that. I don't think many people are arguing that. I think Cora absolutely has to get suspended. And just looking at the punishments... I knew the punishments were going to be harsh. I didn't realize that all of this fallout was going to come. So AJ Hinch suspended for a year. An entire season. Jeff Lunau, GM, also suspended for a year. And they weren't even the masterminds behind this. And when you read the report, A.J. Hinch reportedly even tried to stop what Alex Cora and the team were doing. Now, I've got a problem with A.J. Hinch when he says that because, I mean, you're the manager. Hinch, you're the friggin' manager. If you don't want this to happen, stop it. Tell them, guys, cut the shit. So I don't really give a shit that he tried or reportedly damaged the monitors. That doesn't matter to me. But Cora, he was the mastermind behind all this. He apparently set up the center field camera. And he's being hosed by his teammates, by the way, his ex-teammates. They are throwing him under the bus. He had the camera set up. He was the mastermind behind the garbage can scheme that they had set up. So, in the end, is going to get suspended longer than A.J. Hinch. Which is why, if you're the Red Sox, you absolutely have to fire this guy. There's no question about it. Because... He's going to be gone for a long period of time. And unless you're Mike Lowell, unless you have a guy like Mike Lowell, then who 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 said that, sure, I think it was kind of tongue-in-cheek, but he said this week, yeah, I guess I'd manage the Red Sox if I knew Cora was coming back in a year. So basically just a holdover. But unless you're Mike Lowell, you're not going to hire a guy, maybe even Ron Reinecke maybe those are the two options, who is going to just take that job for X amount of time until you come back. X amount of time until your suspension is up. You're going to be hiring a guy who, in the end, you want to be your manager for a long time. Now, there's there's been a, different, a group of different names being thrown out there. And honestly, the way this stuff works is it's going to be somebody that we don't even know. It's going to be a guy who a lot of us weren't even expecting. I guess now people are talking about the Mets bench coach. Uh, ooh, fine. Fine. It's going to be somebody, who we, again, we do not know. But the romanticized idea that Jason Varitek is going to be the manager, a lot of people want that. And honestly, at first, I mean, ahead of Alex Cora's hiring after the 2017 season, I was against the hiring of Jason Varitek. The reason I was against the hiring of Jason Varitek was because he hadn't really coached before. But he's been in this role with the Red Sox now for a couple of years. And I'm jumping off that bandwagon, and I wrote this on CLNS this past week when talking about this, this subject, Veritek, I, I think he could be the manager now because I don't really know if experience matters. I mean, the Mets, before they fired him, they had Carlos Beltran hired as the manager. That guy's never, as far as I know, that guy's never coached. He was a player two years ago. And last year he was with the Yankees in some capacity, I think maybe a front office capacity. So at this point, I don't really think managing experience or coaching experience matters because with the way that teams are going now with analytics and with all of that, it basically takes the coaching part and the managing part out of the manager's hand. I don't think it's as critical as it used to be. Now, you just can't really have a dummy like John Farrell was. That guy was the worst. He would make dumb decision after dumb decision. But the computers basically tell you who should come in and who should come out. Now you got to wonder if Jason Varitek is going to be that kind of guy who's going to go by the analytics. You don't know that. I feel like he's an old school guy who's not going to want to do that. But if he were to go by the analytics, and I don't care if he doesn't. I would like to see Jason Varitek as a manager. I think it'd be a kind of a cool story. I don't I think he would be fine, especially because I think Red Sox fans obviously they would love to see it. And I think he would get a lot of slack because he's Jason Veritek. If the team does struggle at the start, I think that would be a big benefit for him. I think people would give him a ton of slack. Again, just because he's Jason Veritek. And maybe he, I mean, a lot of people say there's that old adage that catchers are better managers. Catchers are good managers. Jason Veritek, obviously a catcher for a long time. Bring this guy in. My pick, I think I, I talked myself into this too in my in my recent article. Carlos Fablis. Get Carlos Fablis. he's a third base coach for the Red Sox right now. He's got a relationship with these players. He watched firsthand how Alex Cora worked with these guys. He's shown interest in wanting to be a manager. He's been a manager in the in the the Patriots, the Red Sox farm system before. Move this guy, he's he's move this guy from third base to manager. I think that would be an easy transition. And I think something important that's got to be with this next manager that Alex Cora had was he could relate with guys like Xander Bogarts and Rafael Devers based on his Hispanic descent. Carlos Febles is Dominican-born. I think that's that's key to relate with these guys, with the guy like Xander Bogarts, with guys like Rafael Devers. Because it's, it's, I think it's important not to have that, even that language barrier. I mean, we've seen Rafael Devers, he struggles with speaking English. And I think having a guy around like Alex Cora who could speak to him in his language, I think that was, I think that was huge in building that relationship, making Rafael Devers feel comfortable. And I think having Fabulous in that role would be, honestly, a solid thing. And there's another guy like Ron Rennecke, the bench coach, current bench coach for the Red Sox, he might be a fine option too. And the reason that, If I had to put money on it, I think it would be one of those two guys as the next manager. And it's mostly because spring training, pitchers-catchers reporting, less than a month away. they got to get this done soon. they got to get this done quick. Both of those guys already have established relationships. It's not going to be very hectic if they are hired as the next Red Sox manager. They're just going to be sliding up in a role. Again, they've already got relationships built with these players. So I think that would be absolutely huge to have a guy who's already have those, who already has those established relationships, especially when you have this time crunch that you currently have. I think Fables or Ron Reneke, I think those are the two, again, if I had to put money on it, I think those are the two guys who absolutely, I think, would be the favorites right now. Now, betting favorite is Jason Veritek. Again, they just pulled that out of their ass because of all the conversation around it. But I think it's going to be Fables or it's going to be Reneke. If I had a choice, I would pick Carlos Fables. Ron Reneke doesn't really move the needle for me I don't care if he becomes the manager But if he did If he did I think it would be fine Because again he, in, in, Much like Fables, he watched The way Cora worked with these guys And he can try to mimic that And he, Ron Reneke too has managerial experience Which is important here You've got a core now who's been around for a while So it would be more important If you still had that young young core. But Renicky has man- major league managing experience with the Brewers for a couple years. So again, he would be a guy who, if you moved him up, it would be a semi-smooth transition, especially because he's been in the role as bench coach now for a couple years. Another important topic, though, with the Red Sox this offseason, and this is a story that came out, or this is a report that came out recently. We now kind of have an asking price of what the Red Sox are looking for in Mookie Betts. So to start the offseason... There was all that conversation between, are the Red Sox going to trade Mookie Betts? And it seems like at the start of the offseason, it was almost a guarantee. Mookie Betts hits arbitration, and and I'm talking even before arbitration. You know Mookie Betts is going to arbitration this year. You know Mookie Betts hypothetically has a year left on his current contract, and he has made it explicitly clear. That he doesn't want to stay, he doesn't want to just extend his contract. He wants to hit the free agent market, he wants to see what he can get. And he's gonna get a massive deal. He's gonna get a deal that honestly, I don't even know if I want the Red Sox to sign because it's gonna be that big. But we now know that the Red Sox are, if if there's gonna be a team who's gonna to want to trade for Mookie Betts, what that trade is gonna to have to include, that whatever team wants to trade for Betts. They're going to have to also take on David Price in his three years left on his contract, which is $96 million more, $32 million per season. So they're going to have to take that on. And with that, the Red Sox are also going to be looking in return to high-end prospects. So what that basically tells me is the Red Sox are no longer, and we've we've seen this report now a couple times, Hein Bloom's talked about wanting to keep Mookie Betts for as long as possible, go through the year with him. But what this tells me now is... The Red Sox really don't want to give up Mookie Betts. And they will if you absolutely blow them away, which is I think is the move that you kind of have to do. I think it's I think it's tough to potentially go all the way through the year, maybe have an up or a down year, whatever it is, regardless of the outcome, and then lose bets for nothing. Because Betts hasn't shown me that interest, and we've talked about this on the show before. Betts hasn't shown me that interest that he wants to be back in Boston. He hasn't. I think he wants to be closer to home, maybe Atlanta. And I don't know if I want the Red Sox to spend what's going to probably be $35, $36 million per season on him. That's a big chunk. And for a team right now who I don't even know if it looks like they're going to be getting under that $208 million luxury tax threshold, they've still got a ways to go. I don't know if I want the Red Sox to spend that kind of money. But what this is telling me again is that with this, with this trade scenario, what the Red Sox are asking for, what this is telling me is the Red Sox don't really need to trade bets. And I think that's what I'm kind of getting at here. They don't have to give up Mookie bets. They don't have to trade Mookie bets. But if you give them something that's that blows them away like this, well then, we're going to have a different discussion. If you have somebody, if you have a trade that will absolutely blow the shit out of the Boston Red Sox front office, then sure, let's do it. But you've got a team that's competitive right now, and this is, what, this, is, this is where I agree with the Red Sox, and this is why I don't think they should make this move right now. It's tough to swallow that you could lose Mookie Betts for nothing, but regardless of what it looked like last year, you've got a team who could win a championship. I know you've got the New York Yankees, who have an absolute monster of a team right now in the Bronx. But you've got a team who can compete. You've got a team who's led the league in offense a couple times over the past few years. You've got that same lineup. Hopefully, you've got another big season out of Rafael Dever. Xander Bogarts is finally coming to his own. You've got a team who can produce offensively. You've got a team who can compete, hold on to Mookie bets, try to go after that last championship. If you lose bets for nothing, that sucks. That's a tough pill to swallow, but you got to do it. If, it. if it means, and the team has made it clear now, At first, it sounded more like they wanted to get under that $208 million luxury tax threshold rather than actually being competitive. And with some of the moves they made this offseason, it didn't look like they wanted to be competitive. But if they're going to hang on to Mookie Betts, that at least tells me that they want to try to be competitive. Again, the Yankees are so good this year. but I, The Yankees are nasty, but I don't think that they're this crazy juggernaut like a lot of people are painting them to be. I think they're, they, they're going to shock you with having a slight down year. Garrett Cole, look, great pitcher, maybe the best pitcher in baseball right now. I would still take Jacob deGrom over him, but maybe the best pitcher in baseball right now. Perhaps. Maybe top two. Maybe even top three. Depends on how Chris Sale looks. But I think the Red Sox can compete. Can compete. They've still got a great lineup that can hit off of anybody. So, I mean, we'll see. All right, real quick, guys, breaking news. This important PSA is brought to you by Manscaped.com. This is your public service announcement, also known as a PSA. After more than 18 months of research and development, the Manscaped engineering team has confirmed that they have successfully created the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created. We've talked about the, the Lawn Mower 2.0 before. Get this, guys. The new trimmer was just released only moments ago, and we are the first to confirm the new and improved lawnmower 3.0 Manscaping Trimmer is now available for purchase. This third-generation Manscaped trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to prevent manscaping accidents. Millions of balls are about to be nick-free thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin-safe technology. I've been talking about Manscaped for a while now. If you use the lawnmower 2.0, it's an easy transition because it's the same repl- replacement blade with a new and improved SkinSafe technology. When I tell you guys this is premium, I mean absolutely premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes. I mean, 90 minutes is great because if you're taking 90 minutes to take care of your manscaping, you've got a big problem down there. So, you can take a longer shave with this 90 minute battery. One of the coolest new features is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. They've also upgraded a 7000 RPM motor with a quiet stroke technology trademark. Quiet stroke trademark technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand to show your mower off loud and proud because this intentionally, intelligently designed stand is a rapid charging dock powered by USB. If you're listening to me speak right now, you are one of the first people to hear about this life-changing product, and I want you guys to experience it firsthand for yourself. Trim that junk of yours. Get 20% off with free shipping with the code CouchGuy at Manscaped.com. That is CouchGuy, C-O-U-C-H-G-U-Y, all one word. And as always, guys, your balls, they're going to fucking thank you. Get 20% off with free shipping with the code CouchGuy at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped.com and use promo code CouchGuy. Now back to the show. Real quick, I want to talk about this Aaron Hernandez documentary. Came out on Netflix. Everybody's been talking about it. And... It was good, don't get me wrong, but I was I was underwhelmed, which sucks because I was I was excited to see this. I was ready to see this. I thought because Netflix usually does a great job with documentaries, and the Aaron Hernandez documentary was good. It was a lot of things that I'd heard before. Maybe I just in in the things that I hadn't heard before. At this point, I kind of assumed that I have heard them, but there were some like there were some holy shit moments, right where. Like, like, the first one for me was when they found the car in the cousin's garage. I thought that was crazy. That the cops just saw that and was like, oh shit, that's the car that was involved in a double homicide in Boston. I think a year, a year before they found the car. And it was, it, was, it was a fine documentary. But, I mean, there were just some things that... Weren't great. Like, I thought, A, that Dennis guy, the quarterback... <laughs> for the quarterback, for Aaron Hernandez's high school team, his his gay lover, as he was as he was talking about himself in the documentary, I thought it was weird that they painted him out to be the starting quarterback. And I'm sure that most people have seen this by now. He wasn't even the starting quarterback on the football team. And he's talking about like seeing like the star football players like coming in like you, you coming to the school every day. How you can't. Like you'd come out and show that you're gay with each other because that just that's that's not what people see. That's not what people want out of their their football players, right? But they paint this guy out to be like the starting quarterback. But if you look into it, this guy Matt Coyne, was actually the starting quarterback. So I thought that was weird. It was like they were trying to push. They were really, really trying to push the the homosexual aspect of this entire situation of his entire life. They were they were shoving it down our throats. Which is fine, but don't paint it out like this guy was the starting quarterback. Maybe he was the backup quarterback. I didn't look that deep into it. If he's the backup quarterback, fine. But you're talking about seeing like the quarterback and the the other star football player, Aaron Hernandez, being being out and being gay, and how the school is going to look at that and be like, that's not right. Well. And, and people would probably, back, especially back in that time, people would still would probably look at that, which is crazy because it was only mid-2000s. People would probably still have an issue or at least be confused and talk about it. But, I mean, he's the backup quarterback. It's They made it seem like it was the star football players together, the absolute star football players. I thought that was interesting, and I thought that was kind of dumb that they were just trying to shove this Dennis guy just down our throats the entire time. And with the Dennis guy, too, his dad holy shit, that guy was trying to win an Oscar. That guy was insane. He would not, he was, uh, when he was talking about the, the stepdad or, or his mom's new boyfriend in the kitchen cooking bacon on a Sunday morning, the way he was going about that, I was like, can you just shut up, please? Like, this guy, he was trying to take over the documentary, and, like, it was fine, but it wasn't fine. I was, I'm, I was by the end of that, by the end of his time in, that, in the documentary, I was over it. I was sick of him. But, I saw people, too, on Twitter talking about the CTE aspect of things. And his brain was mush. I mean, don't get me wrong. His brain, and after they did the studies, how I think it was like the same brain as like an uh, an 80-year-old man, 80-year-old ex-football player, whatever the study was. I get it. I get that he had CTE. And honestly, it probably played a contributing factor, but I think this guy was poised to do what he did. I really do. I think he was poised to do what he ended up doing. If he didn't have CTE, maybe it wouldn't have been as severe. But the way he grew up, the way he lost his dad young, I think that this was almost inevitable with this guy. And from a Patriots aspect, from a selfish Patriots fan aspect, that sucks. Because him and Gronk looked like they were about to be the best duo tight end, uh, best tight end duo of all time. But just from like a human standpoint, the fact that it was able to get that far says a lot just about how, how people can't see these types of things coming. And there was that conversation about Aaron Hernandez having those his, his almost no facial expression when his father died. And I forget who said it, but somebody was like, that's really when I saw him change or something along those lines. There were just there was so much trauma in this guy's life or there was some trauma in he just he didn't have a great upbringing and there was something there mentally but it shows it shows the mental aspect of a lot of this stuff the cte the way he grew up his father abusing his mother b- bouncing her head off of a kitchen sink there was a lot to take away from that again i thought the documentary was a little underwhelming but it's I, it it opened my eyes a little bit just to how Aaron Hernandez became Aaron Hernandez. Which I, I guess was the end game of that whole thing. Of that whole documentary. But it was... It told me a lot more than... About the mental side of things, I guess. I guess maybe that's what I took away from it. The mental side of things. They really addressed that. And again, they, they, really, they really tried to hammer in that the whole gay lover aspect of things. The whole homosexual aspect of things. Which I get, they really wanted to make that the focal point of the story. But what I took away from it more was just like the, the, the way he was brought up. Just the, the potential already, I guess the way his brain worked and the CTE. There was, there was a lot working against the poor guy. Not poor, I mean, no, not poor guy. I, I don't have any sympathy for him. I have sympathy for his daughter. I don't have any sympathy for him at this point because of what he did. But Hernandez, I mean, the documentary, again, really opened up my eyes to the the mental aspect of things. Alright, and let's roll over to the Celtics-Lakers. Get off the documentary real quick. Celtics-Lakers. And I, I I only want to talk about this briefly, and then I want to kill the show. The Celtics steamrolled the Lakers. And the Celtics have been having a tough time lately. The Celtics have been struggling lately. I think it was five of their last seven, at least that's what the record was a couple of nights ago. And then they show up and they play the Lakers at the Garden on Monday night, LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Everybody's healthy, Kemba, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Enos Cantor. Everybody's ready to go. Everybody's ready to play. And when the Lakers came in, with, especially with the way the Celtics were playing, I was like, these guys are about to get stomped out. And they somehow managed to... Absolutely steamroll the Lakers, one thirty-nine to one hundred seven, which is great. I mean, obvi- as a Celtics fan, I would prefer to see that. But I'm going to be cautiously optimistic, especially because of how this team's just been over the past few years. They they climb up the ladder, you get excited for them. You somehow convince yourself that this team can go to the championship, especially last year's team after they smoked the Bucks in the first game of the postseason. Or, or of that series in the postseason. And then they absolutely end up crushing you the rest of the way. You don't feel good about the team the rest of the way. I'm going to feel cautiously optimistic. I think this team has the talent. They have the talent to do it. You got Kemba Walker, who fits perfectly with the Brad Stevens system. for At least, at least the way he works with the team, the way he speaks with the team. You got Jalen Brown, who's coming into his own, off, fresh off that new contract. You got Jason Tatum, who put up 27 points. And Jason Tatum... I think he has a step up his game overall, except for that night. I think we have to see more of that night, maybe not 27 points, but he's got to produce more than he has been during this skit. And maybe once he does that, maybe the team will continue. But and this this team has that potential to do it because they they mesh well together. Last year's team, when you fell down, there was no way they were gonna fight back. This year's team, I think, is a little different. You have a little more heart, but this Lakers game isn't going to make me think that this team's all of a sudden going to turn things around, because even just like looking at maybe the Bruins, the Bruins last week beat the piss out of the out of the Penguins after everybody was saying they were soft. They come back this past weekend and they give up a three 0 lead. So I'm not going to get excited about the team yet. I think they've got the talent, I do, but I'm not going to get myself all sorts of jacked up. You think these guys all of a sudden are going to start rolling like they were at the start of the year. Another guy is Gordon Hayward. Gordon Hayward, pre-injury this year, he's got to stop getting shook after every injury. Gordon Hayward, if he steps up in a big way too, if he comes back to look like the guy that we saw at the start of the year, then, okay, sure, we've got a different story. We've got a game plan here. But, but, if he sticks with the guy that we've seen over the skid, then we've got a problem. Because he's going to be a pivotal part to this team down the stretch, especially in the postseason. All right, guys. I mean, I hope you enjoyed it. Couch Guy Sports Podcast 142. Solo show. Just me, Nick Qualia. I mean, we'll probably have to do this again at some point. I, I kind of liked it. I kind of like doing it. I'll keep doing it more often, I guess. Whenever Jared's out, maybe I'll just start doing solo shows unless you guys absolutely hated it, then tell me, and then I'll just bring in a a second guy around. But, I mean... I think we hit on everything tonight that we had to. Derek Jeter overrated Hall of Fame. Not 100%, which is crazy. Same thing with Ken Griffey Jr. a couple years ago, whenever that was. Two guys didn't vote for Ken Griffey Jr., which is asinine. Mo Rivera, first one unanimous, please. Ken Griffey Jr. should have been the first unanimous vote. Absolutely. But anyway, whatever. Guys, rate and subscribe on iTunes. Spotify, you can catch the show. Stitcher, you can catch the show. SoundCloud too, you can catch the show. Subscribe on YouTube. Guys, support the show on YouTube. Hit the subscribe button. You can watch the entire video version of every single episode from a few weeks ago. And now going forward, we want to get those numbers up, guys. So keep on subscribing to the YouTube channel. And then follow me on Twitter at Quag as well and the Couch Guys Sports podcast and Couch Guys Sports both on Twitter too. And Instagram. We're going to try to get the Instagram active again soon. Nick Qualia at Couch Guy Sports Podcast, 142 in the books. Guys, we will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening and watching.